0: What's up, everything? The Blues seem to have righted the ship after a brief losing skid. We'll talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly. And speaking of ugly, we'll touch on Joe Thornton's brutal hit on TJ Oshie and some other league news, like the possibility of expansion to Seattle. We'll also dish out all the Blues news that's fit to spit. So let's get started, and let's go Blues! Welcome back everybody. This is the Two Guys No Cup Podcast. My name is Steven Ground, I think. I'm here with Ian (laughs) Peters, I think. He's got amnesia. I do, because that game put me to sleep. It was a Blues victory. Got a little more exciting towards
1: the end, but boy was it slow for a while. It only just occurred to me it's because Ken Hitchcock was on the other bench, so it had to be a snooze fest. (laughs) This is what the stars live
0: through all the time Uh Last year they were bad but exciting, and now they're okay but boy, <laughs> uh, If you can't tell, it's Thursday night after the Blues game. Uh, it is December 7th, which is a date that will live right. in uh. something. Um, we are here to talk about the St. Louis Blues and other hockey news, uh, and I figure let's start with something that... Set me off a couple of nights ago. Set me to spitting on Twitter. Uh, Was it our power play? No, although we will spit plenty about that later on. Uh, No, it was the uh, Joe Thornton hit on TJ Oshie. Uh, For those of you that didn't see this, uh, Joe Thornton hit TJ Oshie in the head. Uh, which is a vital part of the body <laughs> uh, on what was this Monday night, Tuesday night. I want to say one of those yeah. nights um, when the obviously sharks were playing the Capitals, uh, <coughs> the play as well as the period were ending and, oh, uh, she had kind of tried to uh, hip check or uh, check into the boards, Pavelski or Kotor, I think Kotor maybe. And, uh, he'd sort of missed and then sort of fallen to his knees and Thornton very kind of slowly. I mean, he didn't charge mm-hmm. in there, but kind of glided over and just hip checked his head right into the boards. Um, there was a lot of, you know, upset after this, obviously. Yeah. Uh Oshie stayed down for a good time and headed uh, off the ice. And I think, Uh, has not played since, although they wouldn't have had lots of opportunities to. Um, He likely had a concussion uh, because Joe Thornton really enjoys concussing Blues and former (laughs) Blues players. Uh, Later in the game, this happened right at the end of the second period, Uh, Tom Wilson of the um capitals came out and fought with joe thornton and just beat him into oblivion it was like one right hook and thornton was down and it was over uh but yeah this is just a play i guess i will comment on it some and get your thoughts on it because Mm. i'm not very level-headed about it so if you riled up you can calm me down thornton did not receive a suspension because he's Joe Thornton and he's untouchable. Did
1: they even give him like a fine or yeah, anything? You no, know, I something. don't think he, I don't think they did.
0: It's uh, a little amazing. Yeah, um, but it's just, look, it's a terrible hit. It was slimy to say the least. If he wants to claim that it wasn't intentional, which of course he did, uh, then the the shot of him walking away. Skating away totally unconcerned for the player that he left crumpled on the ice doesn't help his case a lot Thornton is a player who is uh, obviously a highly skilled player and has a great reputation as such Uh, but this is just a situation that we've seen with him time and time again he has two game misconducts i think in his entire career and they were both against the blues so maybe our sample bias is a little <laughs> is a little stilted or a little you know tainted but of course we know that this man took basically an entire year mm-hmm. more than an entire year off of the career of david perron uh with an elbow a blindsided elbow to his head uh and god knows what it did to his development at the time and you know what it did to the team at the time and that obviously is secondary to Perron's health what lasting effects it has but thornton is a player and this happens i think too much in hockey where there are player like there are players that you know are dirty like there's Ragco gudass and you, <laughs> and you know that he has no other purpose on earth than to be you know an instigator and a mm-hmm. hitter and a checker but then there are the joe thorntons and probably the matthew kachucks of the world where they're real crappy all the time mm-hmm. and slimy and uh they just get away with it because they're also good at hockey and it's starting to it's bothering me a lot on this hit with oshi and i don't you know i love oshi from his time with the blues but i don't I probably noticed it more because it was Oshi, but I don't care that it's Oshi versus anyone else. It was just a bad hit. It was bad timing. Pete DeBoer, uh, who is easily my least favorite coach in the NHL. I was going to say probably, but I didn't have to think about it. Easily my least favorite <laughs> no coach in the NHL. Uh, he called the Tom Wilson fight premeditated crap. Um Because he complains about everything, including getting uh, three times as many penalties called for the Sharks when we played them in the playoffs was not enough times as many penalties (laughs) because he complained about that. Uh, I'm looking for his quote here. He says, you know what, if someone would have grabbed Joe in the heat of the moment after the play because they thought a liberty was taken, I've got no problem with that. Uh, To go into the dressing room, think about it, come out in the first shift and do that premeditated crap is just garbage. And the key statement he makes there is, it's the first shift. They didn't fight him in the heat of the moment because there was no heat of the moment. (laughs) The hit happened, Oshie was injured, and he skated away, and the period ended. So they came back on the next shift and fought with him. And yeah, Thornton engaged, and I guess he got his Mm -hmm. you know
1: i guess kudos yeah he got
0: his gentleman's comeuppance or whatever you want to say but i it's just it bothers me that there was no hit there wasn't even an article in the nhl like there was no brendan shanahan video i know he doesn't do those anymore but there was no video explaining why he didn't get a suspension it was just kind of ignored and i just you know you go to the front page of reddit that night and you see like there's a, a a page on it. There's a feed, whatever they're called, post. I don't. Mm-hmm. I, I, I thought I knew Reddit, but I don't remember. Stevens, words the
1: a fifty-year-old man. Yes.
0: What's one of them? I put it on the Reddit. Um, <laughs> but yeah, there's there's a post that has you know the top five comments are all from people whose avatar there's a there's a young man. Oh word, Whose avatar <laughs> is a different uh, NHL team. And they're all saying, oh, yeah, are you new to the idea that Joe Thornton's a dirty player? Like, everybody knows it, but because he's got a lot of career assists, we're just like, oh, that's fine. Um, And it bugs me a lot, and I've talked for a long time, so
1: I will let you (laughs) say your more reasonable thoughts on this, man. No, I think you pretty much hit the nail on the head. It bothers me that... It wasn't even mentioned by the NHL at all, as far as I know. As far as we know, I didn't see anything about it. I've searched several times. I would I at least found anything. It would be too little, but I would at least hope they talked about some sort of like you know wrist slap or something. I don't know how they look at that and go, oh, it's just an old time tip. Be like, you can watch his eyes size up where Oshie is, mm-hmm. and I get. Hockey players do that, will go in for like the little extra hit at the end, kind of rile someone up, but not like when you hip check their head. Yeah. You go in for that sort of shoulder to shoulder at the end of the period to get someone to try and take a liberty with you. TJ Oshie's not getting up. (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
0: And it had the look of, you know, a little bit like when Oshie, to be fair, uh, went straight at Rick Nash. I mean, it wasn't cross ice, but mm. he wasn't avoiding the hit. You well, know, there's no yeah. argument that this was, oh, well, <coughs> he did his best to not kill Oshie. He tried to jump out of the way, whatever. It was a hit. Mm. If you want to say, well, it could have been worse, yeah, I guess, but that's not really an argument. Well, TJ
1: Oshie didn't even have the puck for a solid, like, two seconds?
0: Yeah, I'm not sure he even had the puck ever. in exchange. I think it was in that corner, but I don't know that he ever possessed it.
1: I know, that's and kind And regardless,
0: of, yeah. it was well clear of that area by that mm-hmm. point.
1: It's a crappy hit whether or not he had the puck, but yeah, it's kind of like, mm-hmm. if you want to go by the letter of the law, then it wasn't even in the play.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess it. I, it bothers me most that the NHL just didn't say anything, you know, not even mm-hmm. the courtesy of a this is why he
1: wasn't Suspended. that's the whole thing I just wish Joe Thornton would just retire you're not most certainly not getting the cup in San Jose yeah on this team you're on and you're not leaving so
0: See yeah. yeah I'm glad uh for
1: Tom Wilson
0: uh that you know he mm-hmm. was there to deal out some justice and I'm thankful to some extent that hockey still allows. Um, that to happen, but it was still, to me, a brutal and unnecessary hit. And with all that we're learning about uh, CTE and concussions and head injuries and head and neck trauma, um, you just want to minimize that and eliminate it whenever possible. Mm. And I didn't think they did a very good job here. Uh, And we'll follow the story if there's any news, but there won't be until these two teams meet again, if even then. So, Hmm. just something I wanted to talk about. I guess it's been bugging me. Um, But let's move on to some happier news, depending on who you ask. Uh, Maybe not if you're a fan of the Arizona Coyotes or the Calgary (laughs) Flames, but um, the news coming out this week uh, actually developed uh, earlier this afternoon. Uh, It was kind of broke on Monday or Tuesday of this week. Uh, and we talked about it earlier in the season that NHL to Seattle is gaining a ton of momentum. Uh, we mentioned, I think, earlier in the year that there are $660 million of improvements to Key Arena, mm-hmm. uh, which is where the C- Supersonics used to play um, and is still the main arena venue in Seattle, but there's not a team
1: that... That's where they host the Dern- Dern- the Dota 2 <laughs> The finals. Dota 2
0: Finals, baby. And, uh,
1: that makes me a super dork. <laughs> That's a but, video yeah. game thing, kids, for those
0: of you that don't know. Uh, yeah, it's a pretty big deal. It is for <laughs> that sub-community.
1: <laughs> um, for those trash people. But
0: yeah, they're basically building <laughs> they're building an entire bowl on top of the bowl that already exists uh, for the key arena, as I, nearly as I can tell um and it's good i mean it's great the the nba is also looking at moving back seattle's a really great sports market it's funny because when the seahawks and rams were in the same well they still are in the same division (laughs) when the rams were here i was like ah screw seattle and now i'm like oh i love their sports community Mm -hmm. you know but um yeah so earlier this week it was announced that uh, basically, it was something of an eventuality uh, more than it was a possibility. Jeff Baker of the Seattle Times said, uh, with the renovations deal in place, the NHL is expect- expected in coming months to make a franchise announcement regarding Seattle. Uh, the league could award an expansion franchise or have a team relocate. Uh, from an existing market struggling to have a new arena built. And he notes Arizona or Calgary as the two most likely franchises. Uh, NHL super agent Alan Walsh said on Twitter um, that it is not a matter of if, just a matter of when Seattle gets an NHL franchise. Uh, Today... Uh, it was announced even further that Seattle was given the green light to start a season ticket drive. Now, that's not quite as advanced as you think. Uh, basically, it's sort of a step uh, that the it's NHL like does, yeah, yeah, to see what the interest is, and the NHL will say, "Well, it's no guarantee, but it is an advanced step in terms of the interest." Mm
1: kind of the courtship. You can think of it this way. Uh, Quebec City has not gotten that. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Nor
0: nor will they ever, apparently. No, no. Um, And, I mean, Vegas got to do this Mm. before uh their whole proposal was formalized
1: so and i feel like vegas just kind of happened like i forget this part of the vegas deal it feels like you heard about it but it didn't like yeah more like i was like okay sure they'll get a team and then a year ago they're like well it's happening next year i'm like huh what (laughs) i guess
0: with the one expansion the possibility of another expansion now seems a lot more real Mm
1: -hmm. um i'm a little surprised you mentioned and maybe i'm just misinformed but with Calgary or possibly Arizona or basically just a moving a franchise. Mm-hmm. I thought I'd read somewhere where they were thinking they're probably leaning more towards it being an expansion yeah, and that they would just to be able to balance out the, uh, the, um, divisions or the conferences. Yeah.
0: And I think, I think you're right on that actually transitions into what I want to talk about next, which are some of the scenarios I see. Um, for one thing, if the timeline is 2020, mm-hmm. uh, it I realize is. that's technically like two years from now ish, but um, I like that 2020 joke. It took me a second. <laughs> I like that's it. one of those thinkers. Uh, <laughs> but I just think Phoenix, uh, excuse me, Arizona and Calgary, <laughs> who cares? They're going uh, <laughs> need. They need resolution sooner than that. They can't just yeah. do it, especially for Arizona. Good Lord. Um, I heard somebody talking the other day about their thinking about moving back to Phoenix, and I was like, wait, is that true? And then I was like, but technically they're in Gwendale, and I mm-hmm. think there are two arenas, but I'm very confused, and nobody watches that team, and they're very <laughs> bad. Uh, but yeah, 32 teams really makes more sense than 31. That's a weird <laughs> number to stop at. Um the thing about that you mentioned about realignment, though, is kind of an interesting point because when you look at the conferences that they have now, obviously the Central is the one team that's the one conference that is missing a team, so more or less. Um, but when you look geographically at where these teams are, if they were going to relocate either Calgary or Arizona, it would be very easy. They would just stay in the Pacific Division where they already are. Uh, but if there's an expansion team to Seattle, that is going to be hell on the conference alignment. Mm-hmm. Just because they
1: got nine now, supposedly. Denver yeah. is
0: already not in the Central. So they're the team that's already stretching it. And the American West, in case any of you don't know, (laughs) is real big. And so you've got Phoenix and you've got all the California teams. You've got Vegas and you've got all the Northwestern, uh, Alberta and British Columbia, Mm -hmm. um, Canada. That's the country (laughs) uh, teams, which includes the Flames, the Oilers, the Canucks, um, and... uh, You just, there's not, there's a big gap between even Denver that's already in Mm -hmm. the Central and is distinctly the easternmost of those teams and the Central Division teams that are pretty clustered, Mm. at least east west. They're in a pretty straight line. Uh, So I think um, the best option here is definitely an expansion team, but that leaves the question of, what happens for the alignment. And what I would love to see happen is I would love to see Arizona. I've, I, For one thing, I really don't think Calgary is moving.
1: Uh, They're not, but there's also some comment tonight, I guess, from that governor's thing. I don't know who it was, if it was their owner or somebody that said they didn't see a solution currently for a new stadium for Calgary, and I don't know if that just means... You know, end of discussion, we'll stay in the you know, saddle dome. Or if they were like, hey, we're if it was just another chess move of hey, you know, we might have to move them, but you're right, yeah. I agree. I don't think they're moving. The
0: thing about Calgary is the minute you leave Calgary, uh, Calgary immediately becomes the most <laughs> viable market for hockey.
1: I, I love that so, thought that they're gone, they're like, we need a team in Calgary, yeah. <laughs> right after they leave. I, I
0: mean, Calgary is the fifth largest city in Canada, it's bigger than Edmonton which is fairly big by Canada's standards, uh, and the top six cities in terms of population in Canada have franchises already, as does Winnipeg, which is like ninth or 10th. It's a lot smaller. Mm-hmm. Um, and Quebec City is even smaller than that, and people treat that as a legitimate yeah. threat for an NHL franchise. And They've it's got hosted, a stadium. Yeah, and it's hosted a team before. Um Quebec City is a full half a million people smaller than Calgary. So you just you can't take a team out of there. Mm. I mean, I guess eventually if there's just no movement on a stadium, you take the Flames. But again, that immediately becomes, okay, how do we still get a stadium back in Calgary and get a team there? So I really think that's unlikely. Uh the counterpoint to that is it is certain that the coyotes will eventually move it's, it's just yeah. a nightmare and it has been for like ages at this point um so the two widely discussed cities, as we've mentioned several times, are Quebec City, which is in Quebec, uh, which is kind of northeast of here, and um, okay. entirely northeast <laughs> of here, not kind of. Just a little. Um, and uh, it's further east than even Montreal, right? Yeah, it would
1: be like the most eastern city, I'm guessing. Yeah.
0: And uh, then there's uh, Houston, which is technically east of here, I think, but not nearly as much. Um <laughs> So, to wrap this discussion up, if Arizona were to move to Houston, it would align the conferences very nicely. Mm -hmm. Houston and the Stars could be in the same conference and have a rivalry, and we could go to Houston, and we could go to Dallas, and that would just be the Central Division. However, what I would love to see happen is if the Coyotes moved to Quebec City, they could just put the Red Wings back in the Central Division where they belong, (laughs) and then it would be very clean and tidy. Um, put the Quebec in mm-hmm. the Red Wings division, which is the not metro, is metro? Atlantic. Atlantic. That's what I was
1: trying to think. Which like, it's
0: not Atlantic at all, which is another problem. I was
1: like, well, they got the two... You got well. I guess Detroit's not Atlantic. Yeah, I guess Toronto's Detroit's not on really the Atlantic. Not Atlantic okay, but so yeah. you have got Boston, and you have got the two Florida teams. Yeah. You're right. The majority not on the Atlantic. <laughs> I don't like that they just called the one metro
0: too. It's like this the is rest where are cities are. <laughs> In any case, uh, there's a lot, obviously, left to develop. I think it's overall wonderful to see that the league is growing and expanding. Yeah, there are still teams that aren't in the black.
1: Uh, a good, I think normally the majority. Yeah, but
0: you can see the health sports. of the
1: league is just... I mean, if you're it's, expanding, it's got to be good, yeah, right? Yeah, you can't do that without... I mean, you could try, I'll it'll just fall it. apart.
0: But, I mean, but, yeah. we tweeted out a statistic. I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but the Blues are currently valued as, like, the 17th yeah, most valuable franchise by Forbes, which puts them three behind the Vegas Knights, which is another tribute to expansion. mm mm-hmm. um, but toms they're currently valued at like $450 million, and Tom Stillman and his group bought them for like $120 million, Wow. What, five years ago now? About? Not even, maybe? So, obviously, there's growth, and that's not just the Blues. I mean, the Blues have gotten a lot better since when they were bought, but mm-hmm. that's happening around the league, and it's good to see. Um, did you have any more comments on Seattle before
1: we cu- touch on a couple of Blues? They'd notes. probably be like my immediate. I want it to be expansion because I wanted to be just a brand new group of players. Mm-hmm. I feel like if Arizona moved there, I'd enjoy Seattle having, you know, the Coyotes or whatever they decide to call them. But I'd just be kind of disappointed because it would be Ty Domi and – Duclair or uh, Max Domi and Duclair and all these other people I already know they're already on a team together. That seems more boring. I like the Vegas thing where it's just a bunch of just you know scrap together parts for a new yeah. team. But also I want them to be something interesting named. Mm-hmm. Give me the Seattle Sea Dogs. Give me the Seattle Thunderbirds. No, just, just no have Seattle all Sasquatch. Different sea animals. <laughs> if they get there before the NBA, because that's the, they want the NBA back. I don't know how this works between leagues, but I would totally be amped up if they were able to grab the SuperSonics name. That's I'd love yeah. a superSonics like on the ice. that'd yeah. be great. And they can't I already don't know. I'm just so visual about this stuff that I don't know what colors this team wears. I they, want them to wear Seahawks colors. I well, want that a, lime green. Well, that's the thing. But <laughs> oh, the lime green. Okay. Because I'm <laughs> automatically thinking Canucks colors. And yeah. I'm like, well, the Canucks are in their division. But I can't mean, really do that too the much.
0: The lime green is sort of unifies oh the Sounders and the Seahawks. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the Mariners are basically the same colors, but a little more muted. They're yeah. the bluer and teal. But that would be cool, I feel like. Um, and I like cities that have, like, a color palette, mm. you know, the Pittsburgh thing. Uh, but in any case, we'll we'll talk more about that uh, as it continues to unfold, but it's good for the league overall. Uh, just a little bit of Blues news before we talk about some of the games, um, all of the games that have been covered Uh the uh nhl named braden shin its third star for the month of october and rightfully so uh, i agree he had seven goals and 12 assists which is 19 points uh for a rate of 1.58 points per game uh, he had two four-point games which is pretty impressive uh just an incredible month of october uh he did have I guess I kept saying October, but it's obviously November. November. (laughs) Uh, That was my own mistake in writing the notes for this show. But yes, obviously the last month was November. That or they're very behind (laughs) leaving their stars of the month. Um, But he had a five-game skid where he didn't record a point and two of those games he didn't take a shot, but as we'll cover, he got a hat trick last night and or last game on Tuesday and a golden night, so he seems to be back on track. I there's just <laughs> there's no way to emphasize how wonderful a
1: trade that was at the moment. I know, I feel moment. like we're beating the dead horse. Ray yeah, and and we, we
0: kind of are, but I just, like, one thing I do want to say, because I've seen people be like, oh, it's two first-round picks, you never know, mm-hmm. it's one first-round pick and another first-round pick for them to take, take the Eurotera contract. Yeah. Like, I don't want to overstress that, but when you really think about it, we gave up one first-round pick for them to take – the Yori Laterra trade, and then we traded back like four spots, mm-hmm. and gave up Ryan Reeves, sort of, if you want to look yeah. at it that way, to pick
1: Braden Shin. Just kind of get all your additions and also and Quim Costin. Yeah. So, well, what I want to do at some point, and maybe we can do this over the course of this week in the next podcast, is I was reading someone that was kind of in your position, sort of defending. I've, why would you have to defend this trade? But yeah. defending this trade. <laughs> by saying like you know first round picks for where they're gonna pick if we're a team that finishes you know top 10 or whatever so they're gonna have to pick you know in between 20 and 31 or Uh whatever those are good picks and you like to have those but that's not a slam dunk by any means Yeah, yeah. because I've already seen people go that's two first round picks for the Flyers that's really good and like I mean I want to I want the Blues to have that too but I'll take the known quantity in Braden Shen Uh even before we knew he was this. Absolutely, yeah. And so I wanted to just do sorry, I wanted to just do a little like look up of the last five years, maybe next time, as far as like who's come out of that range. Yeah. What's the percentage of people you're going to hit a like a home run with? Yeah, let's remember to do that because that'd be
0: really interesting. I mean, the thing is. I think Americans, at least dirty Americans, know <laughs> uh, we're both Americans. But, Allegedly, uh, I think Americans' their understanding of how drafts work is very, very altered or very based on the NFL draft. Uh, where first round picks are all supposed to be slam dunks. Mm-hmm. You expect first round picks to be impact players immediately, second round picks to be players immediately, and like third round picks to be role players immediately. <laughs> so uh, that is just not how NHL drafts work. And if you're not familiar with that, go to Wikipedia and choose any draft between like 2005 and 2015. And 25% I would guess on average or more of the first round picks like won't even have a wikipedia article mm-hmm. because they became
1: nothing. They just didn't even make it in the league <laughs> so, period.
0: Yeah, and that can happen. I mean, you s- generally there's a top 10 pick mm. that never penetrated the league at all or you know Became someone's fourth Mm. liner for a few weeks. So
1: I mean, you got guys like I don't know the stats for like David Legwand, who got picked first overall or maybe top ten. That's a great player in general, but that's still like that's more of a role player. So yeah, and
0: you think about like not to beat a dead horse, but like and we talked about it last week, I think, or a couple weeks ago when we were talking about now Yakupov and the Oilers GM, like the difference in quality of drafts. Like oh, yeah, the NFL will talk about, oh, this is a weaker draft for quarterbacks, or this is a strong draft for whatever. But like, they still expect everyone in the first round to be really good players. Mm-hmm. That is like the NHL draft. Niall Yakupov could have gone like 15 other years. You know, <laughs> but, yeah, been that far down. Yeah. So you can't just say, oh, well, they're two first-round picks. That's great
1: value. I mean, it's good value. I mean, I'll take it as a Flyers fan, yeah. for sure. I don't want to rip on that. Yeah. That's the other annoying thing, too, I'll see on Reddit, is every time Braden Shen does anything, and maybe, it, maybe it'll maybe die down next year because this is his first year here, uh-huh. it's always someone being like, man, what a trade. And then it's a Flyers fan going, yeah, I didn't you know, I didn't like that trade. And the Flyers fan going, oh, you know, I thought it was okay. And it just devolves into this Flyers conversation. <laughs> I'm always like, and even sometimes Blues fans kind of egging them, like, man, why did they make that trade? And... I was like, all right, can we just talk about Braden Shen as a as a human being in person rather than like no, the trade?
0: Absolutely not. I
1: get the connection, but yeah, it's annoying.
0: I agree. <laughs> uh so let's dig into these four uh Games that we have to cover uh, tonight. Two are crapola. Two that
1: are very ugly. Uh, well, well, I'd like to point out. There are mixed opinions on oh, one. of yeah. them. I'd like to we'll point out we it. predicted that both of these games were, we're going to be just great. Successes. We're just going to yeah, be excellent. Very
0: embarrassing. Uh, the Blues obviously ended their home or their second game of the back to back streak, as we'll cover. Uh, but yeah, it was an ugly start to the week. Um, we're going to alter a little bit how we cover these just so we don't get as bogged down in the details. Mm. We're going to kind of highlight a few goals to talk about more per game and maybe sim some more and talk about uh, storylines a little bit. Mm. But uh, I do want to talk about the first goal (coughs) in the los angeles games the kings came to scott trade center and just destroyed the blues 4-1 <laughs> to one. uh you talked about how similar the start of this looked to the ducks game mm. uh that you went to that we talked about last week we
1: got squirt on early like we'll talk about yeah, again as
0: we did for several games in a row uh and this first goal was tyler to 12th goal of the season nick shore and tanner pearson uh, assisted him, but it was just like it was a really nice backhand from Shore to Tafoli as Tafoli crossed the line. But the main part of this was there was just no resistance in the neutral zone at all for Tafoli, and he was already between uh, Sunquist and. Someone whose name I didn't write, I wrote fully <laughs> skated right between and Sundquist. I think it was Bo Meester, but that may just be... Unforgettable. Or it was Dunn, one of those two, because Dunn did not look good this game if he was hadn't been pulled. There was mm. a game where Dunn looked bad. I think it was this one. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, he just skated right through our defense and just had a clean entry and ultimately breakaway. Like you know it's bad when but in the space between the blue line and the net it can become a breakaway. Oh, yeah. Like there are people in front of you and by the time you reach the net they're all behind you. That's not a good look.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's that dreaded uh that dreaded defenseman pivot where they're skating backwards, and then, oh, now i got to skate forwards.
0: Right, exactly.
1: And I didn't see
0: all of this game live, but just walk, watching the replay back, obviously I had hindsight. But it just felt like, oh, they came to this rink expecting it to be over. <laughs> like, that's the kind of goal you allow when you've already given up. That's what's know?
1: so sa- Yeah, that early in the game. And it was a minute 43,
0: and yeah. if I didn't say that. And then uh, at 6.12 Kopitar, basically sealed it for <laughs> the Kings, as sad as that is, um, with a goal that was, you know, there was Queen passing, and, but again, there was just not any resistance from the defenseman mm. as uh, there were a couple of shots and rebounds, and it was just ugly.
1: Kopitar's a guy who's found his game this year after last year having a kind of rough start. Yeah. I noticed him a lot more in this game than I think I ever did last year when we played yeah he had a really
0: like down year for him Mm -hmm. for sure last year and I think he's a lot better off um there was a moment I'll talk about briefly in the second period where Tarasenko kind of had a totally clean breakaway and couldn't score, not on Jonathan Quick, uh, oh, which yes. is maybe forgivable, but on the milkman, Darcy Kemper, uh, <laughs> who is called the milkman, why, Mr. Minnesota? <laughs>
1: because up in Minnesota and probably, I don't know, maybe other northern states, there's Kemps, which makes dairy products, and uh-huh. so Darcy Kemper is the milkman. <laughs> I'm sure L.A. does not call him that. we Probably
0: not. Um, but yeah, uh, Tarasenko could not score on the breakaway at all. And as I asked here in the show notes, kind of as things develop, is there a problem with Vova? And we'll talk about some other moments where mm-hmm. he did not look good. This might be where it slowly started. He didn't yeah. look great in the
1: Ducks game either. but
0: and He did ultimately score on an empty net tonight, which we'll talk about, but... Uh, it was a bad week for him for sure, and I mm-hmm. think he had six straight games without a goal, maybe without a point. So. Yeah,
1: I think it's at least been, it was six before now, without yeah. a goal.
0: So uh, Bergwin scored on the power play, which is un-
1: unbelievable on many fronts.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, to score his first goal of the season. It was nice passing. Uh, Pareko took a shot from the point that Bergwin redirected. Uh, And it was a nice power play goal, uh, but it was short-lived as (coughs) roughly three minutes later, Kempe buried his ninth of the season. Um, And it was a really, this was a really bad goal on Hutton's part. Uh, Oh yeah, this is a Hutton loss. One of the only bad goals he's allowed... And he even fessed up on it. He said, uh, I got caught looking around Eddie. It's still a bad goal. That's on me for sure. He's coming wide. I kind of get caught leaning to my left looking around Eddie's legs and right as I look he kind of puts it through his leg. Tricky shot but at the same time those can't uh, go in. I, I like Hutton's personality and just his willingness to eat mm. the blame for this um, but he did get pulled uh, after that goal at the start of the third period. And um, And uh, he was asked about it, and he just said, Mike can answer that. I just do as I'm told. I just try to contribute. I wasn't good enough tonight. Uh, Just from the text, that could sound standoffish, but knowing what I know about Hutton, I doubt that's it. Um, and then Yo said, and this was an answer I didn't really like, uh, he said, I think he was part of the group tonight, which, yeah. Uh, (laughs) And I think just as a group, we weren't good enough tonight, which is true, but that's not really why you pull a goalie. Uh, But in any case, there was a final goal by Toffoli. Um, Dunn looked really bad on this. Dunn and Pareko utterly bungled it. Mm -hmm. They uh, botched the puck between them on the possession, um, and Pearson just picked it up and found Tifoli immediately, and they scored. Uh, so, ugly game. Obviously, 4 1 losses are regular or rarely good, <laughs> um, but some are better than this. Uh, one thing we should mention is it was Hockey Fights Cancer Night at Scott Trade, uh, and this was really cool. Um, they wore the the jersey honoring uh, Ari Dugan before the game, which was kind of lavender colored with the really sparkly numbers that I would buy and wear in RB just because <laughs> of how cool that story is. Uh, but they were auctioned off. And unfortunately, much as I love giving to charity, I'm also poor. <laughs> um, but yeah. Uh, they had an anthem singer, color guard. They were all cancer survivors. Her family, Ari's family, dropped the puck. Uh, Allen and Hutton both had special masks that were really cool. I think uh, Allen's was designed by um, Petra's nephew or niece, niece, yeah. Who yeah. Has, uh, you know, who has some form I of I think cancer? Think leukemia. Yeah. I can be wrong. Um So that was cool, and I just I think what hockey does for cancer is really cool it's really Mm -hmm. awesome to watch the league unite they had a moment where they had people who were affected by cancer in some way either you know through their own lives or family or friend lives uh hold out their flashlights on their phone and it turned off all the lights in scott trade and that was really cool so it was a cool night for that purpose um but kind of the interesting stats here are the blues outshot uh, the team forty to twenty eight, and they won fifty seven percent of the face offs. Uh, but as will will become a theme in all of these games, they were only one for five on the power play. I do think their penalty kills gotten a little better in it, this.
1: It has improved. Yeah, uh,
0: the Kings were zero for four in this game, but we did have two of our power plays nullified by penalty. Uh, we out hit them. We gave the puck away four times. Um, what are some of the storylines that stood out to you from this game, and then we can just wrap up with some of the quotes from the team? This
1: one felt off, like from the beginning. You kind of talked about it with that early goal. They sort of made a trend of that. I think they they got scored on early in that Ducks game prior. Um, I can't remember if they got scored on too in that uh, Wild game that they that they won even mm-hmm. before. But And then in the game before that, I think, in the Nashville game, we're just kind of stretching far back. They got scored on early, and it just was a sour taste in your mouth from the very get-go. And they didn't seem engaged at all. It's been really annoying to watch them at home and not engaged. It seems like the type of thing where you could easily get, I don't know, get going after Hockey Fights Cancer Night yeah. and the intro and all that. I don't Maybe it's an emotional toll thing, but they kinda of looked bad in other games later. Yeah. So I don't want to take that away from them. I saw one I just don't want to use it as an excuse. I saw one
0: fan kinda of go like, Can we stop having ceremonies before the game to distract the team? And I was like gross, dude. <laughs> like read the room. I don't know. But um yeah, I think you don't want to use that as an excuse. Yeah. You can play better.
1: Well, I just saw enough of that and I mean we can skip by it, but they I don't know, it just to me, we keep saying this every time we get a loss, or I feel like I keep saying this every time we get a loss, but this one seemed like our worst game. Mm-hmm. And I'll say that even compared to the Wild game we'll talk about next. Um, and then I guess that was our only loss this week after that. But yeah, I still think this LA game was probably our worst. I didn't get to see the one we lost to either of the Florida teams, but it just felt like a stinker the whole way through. I had a hard time... Enjoying it at all. Well, as we'll talk about too, these power plays when we get them, I kind of don't care anymore. Yeah. Because we don't score on them, it's kind of like the other team has a power play. <laughs> so when the other team has a power play, I don't expect the Blues to score. <laughs> they can, but I don't expect yeah. them to score for two minutes. So when the Blues get a power play now, with how inept they've been, I don't expect them to score. Nor do I really expect Dallas or whatever team we're playing to score either. So for two minutes, nothing happens. Yeah. But Shen gets, you know, slash in the face and for the next two minutes we get to watch nothing happen Mm, yeah (laughs) and it just seems like uh it's just a killer and well we can talk about that in this next game actually uh unless you got some quotes that you want to read off from this game
0: um let me see i think uh yo just said um it looked Oh, this is for the next game, possibly. So, never mind. Uh, <laughs> let me say, he said, "This is, I would say, the first time this year we've lost a couple games in a row before, but mm-hmm. this is the first time I would say where we weren't right. We weren't right to start the game, and certainly we didn't find it along the way. We don't have a lot of time, but a little bit of time, referring to that. I think it was a, it was a back to back, so not a lot of time to prepare for the next night." Uh, but that's going to be a tough test tomorrow, and the way we're going right now, we're not giving ourselves a chance to win hockey games. So it almost felt like he was conceding <laughs> the next game. Um, and I think what he makes is a really good point that we'll talk about after the wild game, is he says, there was nothing inside. It doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel like we're playing that five-man unit. It doesn't feel like we're dangerous. I certainly don't think L.A. was nervous in that game, which I think is a pretty accurate summary. Yeah.
1: Um, and we'll talk about that, but why don't you go ahead and talk about the wild game a little bit? I'll say the wild game was another one where very early on we got scored on. This is sort we of the almost we more than doubled the time between. <laughs> yeah, that's nice. I mean, it was only a little over four minutes in when we got scored. So yeah, almost the whole five minutes unscathed. <laughs> but it was a Ryan Suter goal, if I remember this one correctly. This is one where he just kind of banked it off the back of Jake Allen skating in. So I don't really want to blame out on that. It's one where he's kind of having to move right to left because it's behind the net. But it's just it's another one where you hate. I just hate fluky goals because you're like, well, now we got to hang with this team for essentially what I feel like should be a tie game, but because Mm -hmm. of a fluky goal, they're you know they've won. I hate fluky goals against us. I'm fine with them when we score (laughs) them, of course. That's no problem. Um, I mean, we outshot this team in this game. I think we looked really good through the first period. I think we peppered them a lot, but it's all from the outside. There's no like high danger scoring chances, which I like to describe and maybe the NHL describes it differently, but it's pretty much from the goal line, the extended Mm -hmm. goal line, up to the dots and these circles, and then across to like the low slot. That's like your high danger, like you're in the goalie's face. And then I think even on metrics they'll say medium danger is kinda like high slot you know, higher up in the circle. And I think it's funny they have low danger, which is like way out at the point. But I swear this whole game we never got in close on uh Dubnik. We never got in there. And when you're not scoring goals, which we had got what won the last game in LA and yeah. then we got one here mm-hmm. eventually. You would like to see the team maybe kind of have a game plan of, all right, let's just get in there and try and scrub one home. Mm-hmm. That gets the crowd going, that gets us going, then you can kind of stick to your, I guess you call it, regular game plan. But it annoys me that they try and go for these kind of like perfect shots. It definitely makes a look like they're holding their sticks a little close or a little hard. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: it's weird, too, because that was always a problem under Hitch, Mm-hmm. And Hitch always preached the exact opposite of that, <laughs> so it is kind of surprising that even still it's a problem. You know,
1: I th- I thought yeah, I thought that's what we looked like in the first period. I thought we looked a lot like that in the second period too, despite the fact that I think we did a really good job defensively against the Wild. Mm-hmm. Uh, we managed to get a goal from Berglund, another Berglund goal. This is two now
0: also this guy, in power play for the
1: Berg dog. Oh, was this oh, also a power play er,
0: goal? No, that's the next game. I okay. Think
1: a power play goal, but yeah, assisted by Teresenko and Zaboka. This looked Teresenko. No, I sure this is power play. Oh, really? So okay. yeah, I didn't write it down, but yeah, it is. It was a really good shot. It was a really good wrist shot. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I forget Patrick Berglund can do that. <laughs> I don't know. He's I I like Patrick Berglund, but I he sort of gets lost in the shuffle of high end talent uh, we have or high end players. I'm like, oh yeah, you're not like a bad player. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, that's pretty good. Um you mentioned last game that he got a deflection and I always really liked mm-hmm. I think he's really good he in does the high swat. Yeah, he's got those soft soft Swedish mitts. <laughs>
0: And the Blues did have a, a Corsi four percentage, which is a fancy term, sort of measuring puck Ooh. possession, uh, of seventy point five nine in this period, which mm. is pretty good. Mm. So they did look good, and and you we,
1: t- yeah, we did good by possession standards. They just didn't look dangerous. I think they didn't look dangerous again, like Mike Yo said. Yeah, and I think that's been our problem this whole little losing streak we had. Yeah.
0: I think, uh, and and you touched on it a little bit, but I feel like watching this game, I felt a lot worse about it than it actually was. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, I didn't want to cut you off. But no, I just I want I just to know
1: what we want on the power play in this game again. Uh, let me look that up. because um, I'm just curious because we have gotten a lot of power plays. I want to say we've gotten more than our opponents these last couple yeah. games. And I only question that because... I think that has a lot to do with our um, Corsi being high, our, percent, yeah. or our um, percentage in that being high. Because, yeah, then you just possess the hell out of it. Now, yeah. granted, they just knock it out of, out of their zone and we gotta go skate back for it, but that's possession. That's that's how it works. Unsurprisingly, the site
0: is taking forever to load. <laughs> that's right. I kind of sprung it on you, but team stats. We were one for five on the power play. Okay, game. there you go. So that does confirm that it was a power play goal.
1: <laughs> um, we and then so we tied that uh, third period. Third period had this face-off violation that I didn't want to talk about because I completely mm-hmm. forgot. I thought the Wild got hosed on this. <laughs> oh, that's really know, honestly. did. Yeah, uh, Darren Pang touched on it a little bit that this. Uh, this linesman was not dropping the puck he pretty much like faked them out twice Mm -hmm. and got one of them to bite and was like well that's face up violation and that's in a 1-1 game Mm -hmm. I don't know yeah, That's a put your whistle away for that, especially for just that. Just don't ever yeah. call a face-off I, yeah. I just can't believe that. Maybe he knew that it
0: was actually helping the wild because it would put us on the power, <laughs> the power plant. <laughs> You're
1: right. He's secretly a wild <laughs> fan. It's like, don't worry. This is going to be good for you.
0: <laughs> One stat I did want to highlight before when we moved was... Uh, <coughs> Excuse me. We allowed, I guess that's not really the right word, but the wild block 17 shots, Mm. which is a nice measure of their work ethic, but I do also think it speaks to the point we made about um, just not taking shots from good locations, Mm. because if you're taking them from good locations, there probably aren't bodies between you and the net,
1: Uh, Yeah. Uh, but if you're taking them from
0: the point or from wide angles, there are going to be people between you and the net. Who can jump in front of the puck? Obviously, Dumba murdered us in no, overtime yeah. very quickly. Um, just kind of got on the break with
1: this it. reminded me of that Jets game we went to last year where we yeah, just lost did. immediately. And we just stood up and just like, oh well. I think this one Out Petr- into yeah. the streets you go. <laughs> this is when Petrangelo had it in real close. So uh-huh. I get what he was going for, but by the time he lost it, he was out of gas and it just turned into a two-on-one. Yeah. Uh
0: one thing I wanted to point out, too, is Bergwin's second power play goal of of the year and his mm-hmm. second goal of the career, at that point, and I think this may have changed now, uh, but at that point tied him for second in on the team in power play goals. Granted, it's a five-way tie with... Uh, Tarasenko, Petrangelo, Stasny, and Shen, and himself. Uh, But boy, was that gross to read (laughs) Uh, And uh, number one is, of course, Schwartz with four. Uh, But yeah, it was
1: not um, not great. Like I mentioned to you, I'm surprised we have 14 plus or something at all. And you assume a few more, but you never know.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, Tarasenko also played a 9 minutes and 48 seconds of power play time in this game. Uh, He took his own role on the first shift and then on the second shift because Dunn had been benched, and I think rightfully so before this game. Mm -hmm. We touched on it briefly, but he looked really bad in the Kings game. And you need a reboot once in a while. He was back out tonight and he looked fine. Um... He just played Dunn's role on the second power play mm-hmm. unit, I guess, because that maybe which is what confused me. Because that's why. <laughs>
1: so you're telling me that's why
0: he was up by the blue line? Yeah. Okay. Tonight, uh, he was doing that, but maybe that's
1: different because Dunn was back. Mm-hmm. But maybe they didn't. I just put him hate on the that. I hate that look. I just don't. Yeah, see him as doesn't a look good.
0: He's not like he's a not a slap Q- shot well, sniper. Yeah. You know? And He's
1: not like the power play QB. Yeah. I mean, if it runs through him because he needs to shoot. He's not the one setting up the right, play. Exactly.
0: Um, yo, here's that
1: quote I I tried to start earlier. He said, it looked a lot
0: more like us. Obviously not the result we wanted, but it's something to build off. That's the main thing. We've kind of been on and off and a little bit more off than on lately. (laughs) And this is a little bit better picture of what our game looks like. Uh, He also emphasized, though, that I don't think our net front presence was very good tonight, but I think that we've got some skill to put ourselves in a position to shoot pucks, and we've got the shooter mindset. Uh, And that leads me to a stat I wanted to touch on a little bit because uh, I've just been noticing a trend in several of these bad losses that we had of us taking an enormous amount of shots and so i went and traced the numbers this is not like i did not do high level zoom and hands. Here. <laughs> but um, uh against the wild and this game we had 42 shots uh against the kings in the night before it was 40 uh in both of those goals we had one goal or both of those games, we have one goal each by Berglund. Uh, the night before, or the game before against the Ducks, thirty-nine shots, and that was the one where Brodziak had the two goals mm-hmm. uh, at the end. And then there were the uh, there was the game against the Wild where we scored six goals, but we did that on forty shots. Uh, and then the night we got shut out against the Preds, we took. Uh, 34 shots so in those four games we had a total shooting percentage of 0.051 mm. uh, and without the wild win the six goals on 40 shots it was 0.0258 uh, which is not good there's not necessarily a set threshold mm. for what you want but if you look at it as well, sort kind of, of agreed, like uh... if you take 30 shots in a game you want three goals or more so 10 mm-hmm. percent would be about like good 10% yeah, ten would be yeah. good
1: 8% would be like fine 10% is what your Two top 10% percent. Percent. Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> is say, not good 10% is kind of what your top nine sort of role players or top six even shoot at normally a little yeah. bit above depending on if you're a sharp shooter like Tarasenko but so you'd assume that's what your team should be shooting is 10% ish so you would think that's some luck, you know that's some bad luck if you're that low like yeah. that some of it's you not playing well it's block shots and mm-hmm. all that but some of it's just not getting any bounces and i think we've kind of seen that over these last two games i don't think we've looked particularly fantastic yeah against montreal or against dallas But I think we've gotten chances, and with those, we've been able to capitalize, which is a lot more than we were able to do these other two. Right.
0: And we will talk about, obviously, in this upcoming game, as well as the one from tonight, uh, we took a a lot less shots, a lot fewer shots in both games, Mm -hmm. but we scored a lot more goals. (laughs) So uh, we'll talk about that. Um, So moving on to the Montreal game, uh, we went to Montreal. It was a cool night for... Uh, We joked about this on Twitter (laughs) because they had a big story several times. They talked about how uh, Sammy Blay... Uh, oh, yeah. was returning home to Montreal. And then a couple of times I read he grew up three hours from there. And I just felt like only in Canada. Can mm. you say that? Right? Because, like, I get it. You grew up rooting for the team. But tons of people root for the Cardinals in Kentucky. And they're not from St. <laughs> Louis, you know. And I talked about, like, you can't go back to Columbus and be from Indianapolis, <laughs> you know. So that was kind of fun. But it is a cool night, I think, for any hockey player, any Canadian hockey hockey player to play mm. in the bell center against the canadians um this night got off to a hot start and one of the kind of funny things was we had all those bad games where we allowed a goal in the first five minutes and then at exactly five minutes in <laughs> not only have we not allowed a goal but Braden shinn brayden shinn score broke his no scoring spree uh and scored his 11th of the season uh, it was just a kind of a couple of attempts in a row from Shen.
1: i like this a lot yeah you want to touch on it a little bit or well i, I just like that i like when we do stuff behind the net yeah which seems very little we'd like there's to, all
0: that space yeah, there.
1: we like to do a lot of you know forecheck back there and get it out but i thought it was really nice look to have i mean didn't you try and swat it in once it went back to schwartz schwartz went behind the net and then pumped it out to Shen again, and yeah. he scored. They were, I was looking at some Flyers fans talking to them about this goal, and they were saying this is exactly how he scored on the power play all the time. Someone like Giroux or somebody who was behind the net was able to find him out front, and they just one-time it in. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, we can do more of that on the power play maybe. Yeah. But yeah, I really like the goal a lot. Yeah, it does feel like sometimes we forget
0: that the back of the net could be used Ex- for anything but like either wraparounds <laughs> <Yeah>. or like... <laughs> Checking into the boards, you mm-hmm. know, um, and then there was—I just felt like I felt like the four-three score kind of doesn't really portray this game exactly how it went. Uh, Jordy yeah. Ben scored a goal, um, but it was just kind of weird. It was, like a,
1: it was kind of a riser,
0: yeah, and it was a hard shot. I mean, you don't expect that from Jordy Ben, although he has four goals this season. I just don't think Alan saw it at all. I think it was he was entirely screened. Um, had no idea where it was, and you could see yo know, after the after the goal, just sort of pumping the tires a little mm. bit, you know, kind of doing the no big deal thing. Um, and I think that was a good approach from him to not let anybody get too upset that yeah. we lost the lead. Um, Scotty Upshaw scored, and we got one of them world class sellies. <laughs> uh, Dimitri Yaskin got an assist, and I just think Yaskin has been super good lately. Mm-hmm. Uh, He's contributing a
1: lot more on the stat sheet, which is great, but he is just playing better hockey overall. I think putting him with players that engage more physically Mm -hmm. he's kind of like a monkey see monkey do sort of guy where he's like oh if they're gonna be physical so will i and that's a great part of his game yeah yeah i think when you move him up in the lineup and you're asking him to play more of a skill role which i still think he can do Mm -hmm. i think he kind of abandons the physical part of his game which is something that i think he needs to have always Power forward. yeah exactly
0: And I think, and it's proof positive that he's improved a lot because I think this is the third podcast in a row where we specifically praised him. So that's just (laughs) exciting. You know, I don't know. There was a period where Dimitri Askin was like our top prospect. Mm hmm. And it was a dark <laughs> no, I mean, but he was very highly thought of at one mm. point, and I don't know if he's ever going to reach that point where he's like a dependable second liner or anything. Yeah. But if he's a really good, like a, a Bergwin sort of, where he's just very capable on the third line, can play the second line, that'd be huge upside for him mm. at this point. Uh, so good to see him uh, do that. Shin scored uh, a second goal. Um, this and, was like seven oh yeah, this was later. seven seconds later. <laughs> Sometimes you just read the text and you forget the story. But yeah, we took uh, the following face-off and uh, he won the face-off right back to Petro, uh, who kind of did the same thing Foley did in the yeah, last game exactly. and just sort of phased through the defense. It was really weird. Uh, the Habs felt like they just weren't awake yet after the last goal. Um, and he just hit Shin and Shin just got in and Shot a puck right past Price. Oh, it was. A, we did get to play Carey Price for once, which was kind of <laughs> interesting. I feel like the last
1: I swear it's been several months we faced.
0: Yeah, either by injury or just
1: story, non intimidation. Yeah, yeah.
0: uh, but yeah, so that was that felt like the moment where we kind of sealed it. And I still think it weirdly was in sort of the hockey gods mm-hmm. sort of sense, you know, where we kind of daggered him. But, um, there was a f- funny-slash-momentarily-scary moment in this game where Allen lost a skateboard um, and he couldn't get off the ice, and so he had to be helped off. They blew the whistle as soon as the um, Habs collected the puck, uh, which was interesting to me because it felt reversed. I kind of mentioned that on Twitter, and I got some flack, and I get both sides of it, but my point is like it's an advantage for the Habs to have the puck when he's mm-hmm. down, just like in a delayed penalty and it's not for us to have the puck, you know, we should have to possess it. But in any case, uh, they blew the whistle, and Allen actually had to be pulled off uh, only because they didn't have, like, a skate on the bench that they could <laughs> just fix it like they do with other players. Uh, so they had Hutton come on for, like, three and a half minutes, and he oh, didn't yeah. face
1: any shots. That felt kind of scary. You don't, I mean, I know yeah. backups come in cold all the time, but it that seems, be, like, super cold. Yeah. And, if you're Claude Julian, you're the, like, hey, just fire at him.
0: There's a difference between I'm coming in cold because we're getting tanked. Yeah. And even if they all score it, again, who cares? And all of
1: a sudden, I'm to pull up the brim <laughs> of your hat from your nap <laughs> yeah, and be exactly. like, huh, oh, <laughs> me? Carter Hudson.
0: Summon him off the bench where the away goalie is assigned to sit at the Bell Center because they couldn't build the benches.
1: Oh, is this one, one of those weird stool. ones oh, yeah, or, oh, sorry. Oh, not the
0: bench, but yeah, it's just a, a stool. At least off it's not the, the weird
1: one where they. There's somewhere they have to sit almost in the tunnel. Mm -hmm. and then there's another one i want to say san jose or something weird where they sit like in the corner because that's where the tunnel for the away team is Mm -hmm. so they're like on the other side of the ice staring at their bench like hello it's me over here yeah exactly uh so he was
0: summoned he did nothing i was gonna say he did a good job but he didn't do anything (laughs) so i don't know if i can really say that it It was (laughs) Um, (laughs) but yeah so alan got back in it was fine uh our PowerPoint looked really bad and when we got one about 14 minutes in. The sun um, is hot. Water is wet. And then Other Shea Weber had a double feature goal uh, in the second and the third where it was just a face-off one to him, and he just shot it in from the face one. <laughs> but this first one was literally a curveball. I mean, it literally mm. curved about two feet around Allen like an Adam Wainwright curveball. <laughs> uh, nothing Allen or... Yeah. Anyone but God could have done to
1: stop this one. I did feel kind of bad for Allen. It was Allen. one of
0: the weirdest goals I've ever seen, and just the trajectory of it. Uh, the second one he scored, though, was a more straight-up, just hard. I mean, it's not a surprise that Shea Weber shoots hard, hmm. as I said. And this one was really, and I don't say this a lot, but this one was on Allen. Uh, just because he... He was screened, mm-hmm. but first of all, the exact same type of goal was scored earlier, even if the curve was like different. Mm-hmm. And more importantly, as I mentioned, not exactly a surprise that Shea Weber shoots really hard. <laughs> um, that's been known, <laughs> it's been discussed. Uh, so to let it get through your five hole is just, I mean, it's forgivable. It's not like get him off the ice forever or whatever, mm-hmm. but it's just, it was a bad goal, it was a weak goal. Um, but it just felt, I don't know, I never felt like we were really out of this. I guess I did for a while. We were talking about like, oh, this is a loss. But
1: I think when it was tied, I was a little worried only because in Price, and yeah, Price, Price made a few huge saves and the mm-hmm. crowd was super into it. And you can, when you can feel it through the TV, I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> and they've had those two losses. So I was feeling a little shaky. Yeah, but ultimately, uh, Braden Shin sealed his hat trick
0: with a shot that went off um Schlemko. What's Shlemko's
1: first name? I didn't write it down. I have no idea. He's just a company. Donovan. Shlemko. Shlemko or the Schlems uh- guy. <laughs>
0: uh it just went off his skate and beat price in the five hole it was a very fluky goal honestly i think it was probably meant to be a pass to schwartz Mm -hmm. uh who was kind of crashing in on the net but it went in um it was our second consecutive hat trick in the bell center because last year patrick bergwin had one on the aforementioned legendary al montoya um, cool for Shen. <laughs> uh, Any time so I say an S, I just have to like <laughs> mentally go through the Rolodex <laughs> in my mind. Um, Stepniak. <laughs> yeah, but, but um, it was cool for Shen after the cold streak to get this big a, You know, mm-hmm. this bigger turnaround. Um, I, this was our best effort of
1: the last five, although it was a weird game mm-hmm. um like you said the 4-3 doesn't really i don't know it doesn't really represent the effort that was on the ice from us yes our power play uh this time <laughs> was still bad
0: uh it was 0-3 which is the same percentage but fewer failures see there you go 0-3. That's <laughs> <the improvement. laughs>
1: uh,
0: but as we mentioned earlier we only had 30 shots in this game uh and it's the lowest total in nine games, but it's also the much higher shooting percentage than any of the losses we talked about. Mm-hmm. I'm not a mathematician, but four in 30 is over 10. <laughs> um, so that was good to see. Uh, Tarasenko, though, has missed had missed 11 shots uh, during a season-high six-game scoring drought. And there was a po- point we forgot to mention where he... Uh, did some passing and some deking and got him really tight on Price. It was amazing positioning by him, and then it totally missed the net. Mm-hmm. Uh, just kind of an unforgivable. <laughs> and I was that was a moment, you know, and you and I are quick usually to defend Petro and Allen and Tarasenko when mm-hmm. people are like, this is all their fault, and it's like it's only because they're good that you're mad at exactly. You know, you're yeah. never blaming Dimitri <laughs> as uh, the aforementioned. And we love Dimitri, but that's he doesn't usually wear the L uh, mm. very often. <laughs> but um, there was a moment here where I was kind of tilting on Tarasenko and I was like, just be better. <laughs> just be more consistent. You, you can
1: just tell he's super duper frustrated. And it's hold, holding the stick too tight like we talked about earlier and I think that one was a prime sort of him trying to fine-tune it to really get past Price when really all he had to do was shoot at the top half of the net. Yeah,
0: exactly. Uh, It was a bad miss for him, for sure. Uh, But as we will talk about shortly, uh, he redeemed himself, kind of, I guess, (laughs) uh, in this Dallas game. Would you like to lead us through that one? Yeah. uh, We just finished. It felt like a boring
1: game. Uh, it, it did it got a little hotter at the end we did not have to spend a lot of time on it it was uh it was like we said a ken hitchcock game thank god he was behind the other bench and not ours but it was just felt like it felt like a defensive game by dallas but i'm gonna say it was boring because of how many power plays we had mm-hmm. we had seven of them we scored on two of them that was great but like I mentioned earlier, when we're on the power play, it's boring. Yeah, exactly. And we were on the power play for a huge chunk of time, so it it didn't it didn't feel overly exciting. But we won three nothing. Uh, there was a long break at the beginning to repair glass. I, we were talking about how that seemed like a loss for us just yeah. because it was at home, and now we're going to kind of let our guard down. But thankfully, that wasn't the case at all.
0: It was a very long glass repair though, for mm-hmm. sure. <laughs> I don't know if when they cleared that stuff up for the renovations, if it got harder to fix or something, but it took a while.
1: Yeah. And then I think was this Braden Shen goal in the first a power play goal? It was Oh yeah, it was I two believe. power play goals and an empty netter. So yeah, Braden Shen keeps it going. Assisted by Yaskin. Hey. And Steen. Um this was a this is a really good I think setup they had for mm-hmm. once on the power play i really like how quick shen is able to release it he seems a lot more sure of himself in shooting than i mean obviously than tarasenko currently but i think a lot of players think even guys like steen take a little while but i think i don't know if it's just coming from the flyers or being from a different team long enough but it seems like any player we get tries to dust off the puck a little too much and it seems like shen's like well i'm just gonna fire it in anyways yeah so that worked a lot for me um first period i thought we looked pretty good i don't know if we outshot them. it felt like we did i don't have the numbers in front of me but uh second period was the one this is where i'm we were talking about just kind of felt like uh nothing really happened um we started a heavy attack right at the end of the second period and got a quote-unquote goal but it was a good solid two seconds after the Mm -hmm. horn had blown um i think i heard someone or read someone on Twitter mentioned, does Allen, is he like the goalie that stays down longer than any other goalie in the NHL? <laughs> and I was like, uh, probably not, but I get their point. There yeah. is a lot of stuff where he falls over to flail for a shot, and rather than recover and try and get up, he's just like, well, I hope they shoot it now. into me. <laughs> yeah. If I'm down here now, I'm not getting up. Yeah. So I kind of mentioned that, too, that he just kind of looked like, why are you going to sit down there? It almost looked like they kind of gave up. It's that sort of whole coach mentality of you got to play to the whistle, and it mm. kind of looked like our team played till the second before. Yeah, which I get in general is gonna work, but it was nice that that didn't count because that could have been a whole another can of worms for us. Yeah, I'm glad those late period goals are always such a killer, mm-hmm. a real dagger I if agree. you will. Uh, third period, I think we looked a lot better. I feel like we were all over them in the third period. They didn't really have much time in our zone at all. Um, I think they only got one power play this whole game, one only one that I remember. Yeah, but and so we it was pretty much all five on five except for a few power plays. We got one of which Colton Preco scored on. Uh, this is another nice zone keep in and sustained pressure with Pareko Q cubing the power play, mm-hmm. which I do like to see. I like to see him getting experience up there. I, in fact, I don't know if he's considered part of the first. I think he's part of the second power play unit. But I almost wish he had more time on the first and they move Petro back over to the second. Yeah. And not because I dislike Petro or think he's not good. He's terrible, guys. Yeah. <laughs> he's <it's> not good. <laughs> but, I, but I think for a guy that's playing the majority of your team's minutes, you know, just period, Yeah. it'd be kind of nice to have him have a slight amount of rest and, you know, delegate him to the second the second unit, I don't think he's the best quarterback on the power play. Not that I necessarily think Preko is either. I just don't see it as a clear advantage for him to be on the first, I guess. Hmm. Um, thinking, I don't know, strategically. Yeah. But yeah, it was several shots. Berglund hits one. Uh, Saboka gets the rebound and Preko at the point. And then Preko lets it rip with a goal. And it was uh, it was nice that it was just a clean goal. I mean, I like deflections too, but I like to see Preco get a goal here and there, especially from that slapper. Because yeah. he does seem to have kind of an unwieldy one going this year. Not as many broken sticks, mm-hmm. but one that's kind of getting fired wide a lot. So it's nice to see him. I think it went just right between the legs. I could yeah. be wrong. And then uh, from there on out, it was pretty much, like I said, the Blues the whole time. Uh, Tarasenko got an empty netter. Which I feel like the whole team willed him to do. He skated much closer to the empty net than I've ever seen him skate to put it in. Yeah, because he was totally unopposed at that point. Even he knew he had to hit this in. (laughs)
0: We joked about he has to hit it or his career's (gasps) over. No, and I I do want to mention I feel like uh, this is maybe just in my head, but I don't it's strong enough in my head that I don't think it's totally Bubkiss. But I feel like there have been times In the past, where Tarasenko's been on his one of his droughts, Mm -hmm. and then he'll get an empty netter, and then the next game will be like the next two games will be like multi goal games, Mm -hmm. you know. And so, I don't think, yes, it's an empty netter, but the guys know when they're not scoring, Mm -hmm. and even if it's an empty netter, that's still a goal, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know. Nobody's talking about a five game, ten game goalless drought, yeah, or six game, as it was for him once you've scored a goal, even if they say, yeah, well, it was only an empty netter. I mean, still, you know.
1: Yeah, well, I was reading people talk about that his frustration might just be from a points perspective. Like, he's someone, I heard someone tweet out that was like, oh, because he's not leading the team of points, he's frustrated. And I was mm. like, I don't know if it's that. And maybe it is, but I don't think it's like a personal deal. Like, I can't have these specific people above me. I think it's more that he knows he's relied on for scoring. Yeah. And so even if they're winning, which I guess they've only been doing for the last two games here, he knows that if they're losing tight games, or losing by a lot, and they're not doing much, he's the one to be looked at to score. So I see it more. Right. I read someone basically try and say it was like an <laughs> immature thing, and I was like, if anything, it might be a detriment to view himself in that manner mm-hmm. or to be that hard on himself, but I think it's more of a mature thing to know, hey, this team looks to me. Yeah. To do this, and I'm letting him down right yeah. now. Yeah,
0: and he's, I mean, you, we've, we've seen articles with him and
1: stuff. He wrote What's that what I mean. You've read what he, how he speaks about teammates, yeah, and how he views the team in yeah. the city. I'm like, I don't think this is a guy that's like, I need the most points. No, you no, know? it's
0: definitely a, a pride slash just caring about his team and his teammates factor mm-hmm. and knowing where his game is and needs to be. And there's nothing to worry about Vladimir Yeah the only things the only things that you know are troubling with him is i wish he'd shoot more i wish mm-hmm. you know i wish yeah. he'd take more not to quite go to the Ovechkin level where it's just i'm taking false Every shots a shot. game and some of them will go in but <laughs> yeah i mean he's he's a great player so um i just think yeah we looked a lot better in this game obviously it yeah. was our first shutout of the season Oh, that's true um allen tied was it Jacques plant or mm-hmm. Or Glenn Hall, Glenn maybe. Hall, maybe yeah. for third on our team. We were joking about this. <laughs> is uh, this 16? The, the three shutout yeah. leaders on our team are Elliot with 25. This is career Blues shutouts. Elliot with 25, <laughs> Yaroslav Halak with 20, and now Jake Allen and Glenn Hall with 16. Um, just, I, I think it speaks to a couple of things. I think it speaks to the Blues haven't had a lot of goalies with a long tenure, mm-hmm. even in a 50-year um, a career not yeah. <laughs> fifty-one year franchise. Um, but more than that, I think it, it points to the evolution of the game to just be lower scoring and mm-hmm. goalies. Yes, talk about the equipment and everything. Goalies are inc- far superior athletes mm-hmm. now than they ever were before. And they play the game. The way they play the game has evolved immensely. Yeah, it's um, completely different from what so it was. So, Allen will have, uh, barring a trade or anything, I am fairly confident he'll have the solo lead of this by the end of his contract in a couple of years. <laughs> um, so that's good. Uh, obviously, this was Hitchcock's second return to Scott Trade Center. Uh, we beat him again. <laughs> Hooray! Um, the power still sucks. Uh, Two for seven. So I think, I mean, just kind of looking ahead, we have another week. Uh, December's just a busy month. Mm. Um, We've got Detroit. uh, Um, That's a noon game. At at Detroit, the Little Caesars Arena debut. Hot and ready. Uh, (laughs) um, We better be hot and ready for it.
1: Uh, (laughs) (laughs) If they don't say anything like this on the telecast, I'm boycotting Um, this team. Yeah, we quit. Uh, Darren Pang, it's on you.
0: Uh, (laughs) And then we've got a back-to-back in Buffalo. Uh just take the lake over. And <laughs> just, just get on the boat. Uh, and then Tampa Bay on Tuesday, uh, Anaheim again on Thursday. Uh, I think that Anaheim game will be really telling mm-hmm. just because we look so bad against them what will have been two weeks before that. Uh, and if we can coast in there with a couple wins... Um, the Tampa Bay game obviously would That's be very interesting cause yeah. but I mean it's very interesting because they're two of the conference leaders but in terms of like standings and stuff who cares because they're the other maybe conference maybe we'll you know. see
1: them in the cup finals <laughs> just kidding
0: um, but uh, yeah so it'll be an interesting week and then Next weekend, we have a back-to-back with Winnipeg, which I think will be very telling. There you go. That's um, the big one. And a little bit of a Canada road trip after that. Uh, so I think December is going to be a, a really telling month for us. We've seen ups. We've seen downs. We've talked about the resiliency of this team. Um, now it's time to talk about consistency <laughs> yeah. and just can they be this team or which team are they, you know, mm. and it's – it's hard to say. It's good that we're riding two wins now. And they're good wins. They weren't cheap wins. Um, but we'll see after that week. And that'll be some of the things we talk about uh, when we do this podcast. It sounds like next Saturday. This mm-hmm. is
1: all Ian's <laughs> fault, by the way, people. Look, you can blame <laughs> my 12-game pack being for next Thursday Star Wars. You can blame Star Wars. I yes, dare you. and his
0: father. No. <laughs> uh, yeah, they're going to enjoy Star Wars, uh, and I will be just fastidiously taking notes on the games that they're missing, which will be none on Friday night. Yeah. <laughs> Let's pretend that they are. Um, so we will probably record next Saturday and get that to you, uh, I guess, after the Winnipeg game. We'll figure it out. Oh, wow, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's not like we're morning people. <laughs> but yeah, it's not going to be an case, early
1: morning podcast. Uh,
0: tweet of the week this week is just, uh, if you haven't seen the video of Victor Arvidson of the Nashville Predators uh, helping a um, oh, yeah. guy propose to his girlfriend in the like locker room gaggle area uh, on the tunnel. Tunnels, the word I was thinking <laughs> the the gaggle, gaggle area. <laughs> It's um, late. It's fun. Uh, he's got it in his as he skates off the ice. Um, and I like seeing Suban like walk by and he's like, oh yeah, oh yeah, it's yeah. happening. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh I love that he's in on it. So uh that's a cool video. You can find it on our Twitter at Two Guys No Cup, um, where you are welcome to follow us. Leave us a review, like, smash that like button <laughs> <Please>. on <laughs> on iTunes, do all that digital stuff. If you ever have questions that you'd like us to talk about on the T on the show, That'd be fun, so you can hit us up there for that as well. Uh, Unless you have anything else to say, Ian, Mm -hmm. we'll wrap it up. I think we were shorter this week, although not substantially so. By like Uh, a solid 30, 40 (laughs) minutes. (laughs) Uh, Until next time, uh, good night. Thanks for listening.